finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! Inside the 30, Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Here's the 01. This is going to be a tough play. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Gold to Go podcast. I am joined today with Jordan Emmerich. Jordan, how are we doing today? What up? Doing good, man. Doing, doing good. good. It's a nice, uh, cold Midwest day. So. Dude, it is unbelievably cold. I think when I when I got here to the church, it was about it felt like eleven degrees. So. Yeah, here it's twenty. Feels like four. It's just the wind, uh. man. It's that Midwest wind, dude. It just, it'll tear the life out of you. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how many layers you wear. It just pierces through. It's it so brutal. Dark. And it's we cold were, for no reason. It's cold for no reason. It's March, man. At we're least, halfway through March. At least Jay, you know, Jay's from Minnesota. He lives in the St. Paul area. And I yeah. I lived up there for a couple of years through college. At least in Minnesota, bro, you're cold for a reason. Like there's snow. You could go snowmobiling. You can go snowboarding, skiing, like you can play some ice hockey, whatever, man. Like, there's actually stuff to do. Champagne, dude. It is literally just cold to be cold. Like, you don't. There's nothing enjoyable to do outside. So you're just stuck in your house. In in Toledo here, we got, I think it was like eight inches of snow so far in the month of January, which is more than we got in, or sorry, in the month of March, which is more than we got in the month of January. Like, it's just, it's dumb. It's it's just dumb. And if you move to Minnesota, like you know what you're getting into, right? Like like right. you know if you move there, you're going to be cold like eight months out of the year. Yeah, but I mean, anybody would tell you, dude. Like Minnesota cold is different than like Illinois cold. It just is. Like it's a different feel. Like humidity yeah. is different and everything. Like it doesn't feel as cold up there. And some of that could just be you you get used to it because it it gets cold and it stays cold. Right here, you can have like, you know, a day like today where it's four degrees and then, you know, next week it could end up being 65 and sunny, you know, yeah. that's, it's the worst, man. That's why everybody gets sick. That's why I got a cold. So, yep. It's, it's, it's what dumb. it is, man. Listen, I am ready for warm weather. I am, I'm ready to, to go outside and hoop, play on an outside court, you know, all that. All that, right, bro. I I water. did get I did get to sneak away and play around the golf on Wednesday, so first yeah. round of the season. It felt good to be out, man. I sucked, but it felt good to be out. <laughs> I haven't been able to get out yet. Gone to the range a couple times, but not 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 able to play around. Well, man, let's let's dive into it. We're gonna we're gonna talk today mainly about some NFL stuff. There's been a lot going on, um, but the biggest story right now is the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, March 18th. So, you know, we're we're just starting the second round today. I actually have Tennessee and Duke pulled up off here to the side, catching that game. Um, so we're we're starting the second round, but a lot of first round stories. There was a lot that that happened. As a as an Illinois fan, the biggest story. Well, even outside of that, even outside of being an Illinois fan, I think the biggest story is Purdue losing to to Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah, that's the, a biggest story, no matter who you are, bro. The second ever number one seed to lose in the first round to a 16 seed. 
Um, the last time that happened was Virginia against UMBC in 2018, I believe that was. Um, it was five. It was five years ago. Yeah, five years know. ago. Whatever and year that was, I get confused. It is worth mentioning that every team that has every number one seed that has ever been beat by a 16 seed has gone on to win the title the following year. Yeah, tried and true, baby. Tried and true. One for one, so I guess Purdue will have to to keep that that statistic going. Um, man, the, it's been a wild round one. I mean, yeah. it was it was like the most madness I can remember in a March Madness in several seasons. Um, I think the the other biggest story was Princeton beating Arizona, two seed beating a fifteen seed, um, and then Furman beating beating Virginia. Uh, yeah. I, Virginia just continues their. I got track a problem. Record. I got a problem with Virginia, bro. I mean, Dude. no one can choke that many times. Like, I just don't. I don't understand it. I think the stat I sent to you guys last night was like Virginia, or no, it was Purdue. Um, Purdue, like the last three tournaments, has lost to a sixteen, a fifteen, and a thirteen. Yeah, like that's just outrageous, man. Like these coaches who like, and I put Tony Bennett in painter in the same conversation these guys who are lauded as like great college basketball coaches that literally just can never get it done right and at least tony bennett's got a title you know so maybe i'm being too hard on him but man virginia is consistently losing to seed double digit seats you yeah. know i mean and it's just the way the style of play that virginia plays but that purdue man you let one of the smallest teams in the country beat a team with Zach Ed on it. It's the smallest team in the tournament, and Purdue is the biggest team in the tournament. Like I, I don't. That's just bad coaching. It's and it's bad, it's not it's even just coaching. it's not just about height because obviously you can have like you know you can have a team that's way taller than another team, and they're clearly not as good. Purdue is clearly a better team than Fairleigh Dickinson. Like it's not even close. I I think I think all of the people that are saying you know. I see everything from a, from an Illinois perspective. So when people are saying, you know, Matt Painter's a better coach than Brad Underwood, maybe a better regular season coach, but still I don't really see like what he's done in the last few years better than Brad Underwood. I just don't, I don't understand it. Like I really, really don't. And Purdue, I know they're at the top of the list of like uh, wins in the NCAA tournament without a title. Like yeah. they're up there at number one. Um and then Gonzaga's up there. Illinois, I think, is actually number four on that list. Hmm. Um, but just of teams that make it to the tournament, you know, consistently and just never get it done. Yeah. Um, and that's that's Purdue, man. That is Purdue. And to lose, I had them losing to FAU because I listened to you and Jay. Um, so, and I, I think Purdue is a good team, but to me, in the NCAA tournament, it comes down to guard play, and we saw that yesterday in Purdue's game. Uh, or was that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, Saturday, yeah. right? Yeah, yesterday. And Zach Eady still had twenty-one and fifteen by all accounts, numbers-wise. He still dominated that game. I still think he could have had a bigger day, but that's beside the point. But you, to me, that's on Matt Painter. And like, it is, it is because they, and part of the problem was too, like Purdue was just passing the ball around the three-point line at, at one point towards the second half. And even the commentators, I thought, I was like, wow, that was actually good commentating. They're talking about how everybody on Purdue is scared to shoot the ball. Yeah. Like every single one of them was terrified to shoot the ball. And except for uh, Fletcher Lawyer. So 
you know, it comes down to guard play in the NCAA tournament. In most cases, the better guards win. And, and Purdue is very young at the yeah. guard position. So it didn't shock me that they that they got upset. Um, it did shock me that they lost to uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, but it didn't shock me that they had an early exit. Yeah. So here's that stat you were talking about. I just pulled it up. The schools with the most NCAA tournament wins without a title are number one, Oklahoma with 41, Illinois. Uh, I think that's four. a I think that's a, a older list because the one I saw was like just tweeted out right after Purdue. Okay. Because I think Purdue was like at 53 wins or something like that. Yeah, I'll try to find it. I'll try anyway, to find it while we're talking. But go ahead. Illinois and Purdue are both up there. I mean, yeah, they're, they're in the they're top both up there, three yeah. or four teams to have the most NCAA tournament wins without a title. Um, and, you know, this is this is my thing. You know, I said this in the last podcast, you know, Big Ten teams get a horrible rap when it comes time for March. Like right. they just do. And so I was actually rooting for, for all the Big Ten teams this year. I typically do, but this year I started out more so. And then when it got to that Purdue game, I was like, man, I'm actually rooting for the upset here. Like, right. You know, I'm I'm all for rooting for the for the conference and everything. But I mean, there's there's nothing better than some March madness. Like it puts the the whole motto like into a, a different different realm. It gives it a different definition. Like it really is pure madness, and I love it. Yeah. Um, some other uh notable upsets. We mentioned Furman uh beat Virginia. That was one of the one of the best endings to a game um in this tournament so far and that was one of the ones that you guys specifically called out yep. on the last podcast so good on you um, there and then they proceeded to get completely obliterated today so they did san diego state absolutely throttled them um princeton beat arizona i think this one is kind of being swept under the rug now that purdue lost um but you know number two seed losing to a 15 seed um princeton i mean they they won that game they, I mean, they they owned it from most of the second half. It was it was their game. Um, FAU Memphis. That was another game I really liked. FAU. Um, they pulled it out. It was an ugly game the first half. Pulled it out the second half. I really thought Oral Roberts would win. I was way off on that one. Um, <laughs> I was also off on Louisiana losing to or beating Tennessee. Um, let's see, Kentucky beat Providence. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to hit the the notable ones. My Marquette is still in there. Whooped Vermont as they should. Um, Indiana, Indiana Kent State was a, a good game. I I only watched the first half, um, but Kent State held in there um, for most of it. One of my favorite games was was Pittsburgh Iowa State, just because watching Iowa State like not know what to do on offense because they couldn't hit a shot was just it was it was quite a game my favorite game so far though has to be xavier kennesaw state Mm -hmm. Um, that that game was was competitive start to finish uh kennesaw state really held their own um i think they proved a lot of people wrong but just goes to show you sean miller is a good coach and that pains me to say it because he is a cheater he is a cheater but he he is a good coach um, Penn State whooped Texas A&M. That was that was another good game to watch. I mm-hmm. did pick Colgate to beat Texas. Uh, they did not did not get that done in the slightest. 
Um, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Illinois. It hurts, brother. It hurts. Illinois loses to Arkansas. And I, I think I, I think it's less disappointing because what happened yesterday wasn't a team that just like we couldn't hit shots. It wasn't a team like Purdue that just like looked totally lost out there. We just like it magnified everything that Illinois fans thought was wrong. Yeah. Like we just saw all of the flaws with this team. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's it's less disappointing than I mean, it's still really disappointing, but it's less disappointing knowing that like this team came into the tournament with some serious flaws. Yeah. Um, so that list that you were looking at was from 2016. Oh, I got you. I so, got you. I can't. I can't find the actual numbers, but they were. They were both. They were both yeah. up there in the top five. Yeah. So Gonzaga was also up there, pretty high. So interesting. For some oh, reason, I, I had in my mind that Gonzaga had already won a, a tournament, but I guess mm-hmm. they they haven't. No, that's one of their big knocks, man. Is they they always have relatively good seeds, you know, and that's why yeah. they get a lot of wins, you right? Know, because they they have those good seeds. And how many times have they been a one seed or a two seed? And you know, three seed. I feel like Gonzaga is consistently a one, two, or three over yeah. the last decade. I mean, I I could be completely wrong about that, but it feels pretty consistent for a while now. Ever and, since Kelly Olynyk, right, man? They just. <laughs> Just out here, just winning, winning a bunch of games, and never winning a title. So I think we're going to see a big difference in the way that seedings play out going forward with the transfer portal. Um, I mean, mid majors are way better than they were before the transfer portal. Well, that and they're also like, I feel like the talent level, period, is yeah. better. Um, there's so many good players that not all of them get seen. You know, and you see right. these you see these teams that end up having guys that get completely under recruited, um, and they they go to these smaller schools, or maybe they were rightly recruited, but they go to these smaller schools and they get playing time and they actually develop as opposed to, you know, the guy that is highly recruited and, and goes to a team and sits on the bench and doesn't get as many minutes or whatever, right. doesn't quite develop their game. You know, in some of these kids' cases, maybe being on a lesser team. Um, in a lesser conference has really helped them develop. So, right. I mean, I'm not saying that that guys should just, they should go to lesser conferences, but I just think that there's more talent. You know, we were talking just before we came on about um, the UConn-Iona game and how that was like a throwback NCAA tournament game where the higher seed had the lead at halftime and then just gets blown out in the second half because they just don't have as much talent. Yeah. You're seeing that less and less. You know, now whenever a team has a lead at halftime, you're thinking they're really they're really in this game. You know, you saw Fairleigh Dickinson keep that game close the whole time, and you never once thought, man, Purdue's going to pull this out. They're going to pull away. You know, maybe you thought they were going to pull out the win, but you never thought they're going to win this by 15. So I just think you're seeing that less and less just because there's so much so much more talent out there these days than what, what they used to be. The 16 seeds now are way better than way the 16s of old. So, yeah, I think we're going to start seeing it. Uh, I mean, it took how long before we saw the first one? I don't even know. And then uh, I think 64 team tournament started in 81 or two. So, I mean, it took several, several decades, you yeah. know. And then it took I, only, I don't know then, how many Then times. it took only five years, you know, and how right. many. So you times that by four of how many opportunities they had. And now it just happened again, 
you know, right within the next 20 chances, you know? So yeah. I just, I think you're going to end up seeing, I'm not saying this can happen every tournament or anything like that. And I think there's times where the one seeds are better some years than others. I yeah. think this year was definitely a year where you could picture a one seed going down. So anyways, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think we got most, most of it. Um, I don't think there was anything else. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to yeah, mention. I just wanted to ask you, which team, uh, just real quick, like which team impressed you the most and which team disappointed you the most? I think I know which team disappointed you the most. Other than Illinois, let's throw out Illinois, all right? But yeah. which team that you were high on disappointed you, uh, even if they won, you know, maybe they didn't play as well, and then which team really, really impressed you? Um, impressed me as easy as Marquette. They they came out. They did what they were supposed to do. Um, they executed on offense. Um, they did they did really good. Honorable mention would be Penn State. Um, Penn State just plays their game. I love Micah Shrewsbury. I think he's a phenomenal coach. Um, they just came out and they didn't they didn't worry about ten seed playing seven seed. They didn't worry about Texas A and M maybe being more athletic than them, anything like that. They just came out. And they did what they always do against Illinois. They came out, they just played their game, executed their offense, and Jalen Pickett was a dog. Um, man, disappointed me. I, I think I, I think Colgate. I was hoping they would at least put up a fight against Texas, and they didn't. Um, I mean, I know it's a fifteen-two seed, so I don't, I don't know that you can say disappointment. I thought but. you were going to say Charleston. They're yeah. I I wanted to avoid Charleston. You, you were very very high on Charleston. I wanted to avoid Charleston. Yeah, that's a sore subject because I had them in my final four. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, just don't think they had a great game. You know, yeah. It was just one of those days where they just they just didn't have a very good game. Yeah. I think you play that game again, you probably get a different outcome. You know. Yeah. I don't think they're that bad. I just just don't think they played a great game. Wasn't their day? Maybe it was lack of experience. Whatever it was, they just they didn't have it. Um, but yeah, Charleston would would definitely be the the biggest disappointment. I I I mean I know they're two of the higher seeds, but well, three of the higher seeds. I thought Alabama was really good. Yeah, especially with Miller not scoring any points for them to, you know, you see you've seen one struggle, and I think pretty much every one seed struggled this year, with the exception of Alabama. Right. Kansas was closer than it ended up being. Like Kansas really dominated the second half, but that game, I mean, Howard Alabama, was in there. Howard was in there for a while, you know, and so I thought Alabama really impressed me. Um Duke obviously. I mean, that game was never close. Mm -mm. Like just never close. Like from the get-go, it was game over. Yep. Um and then Another team that impressed me was Texas. You yeah. said Colgate disappointed you. To me, Texas impressed me. Like just the way they they came out, and just dominated that game, and just you know played really really well the whole time. A lower seed, well, I guess they're not too low, but a seven seed that I thought played really well was Missouri. They did. So I thought Missouri played really well. Missouri is one of those teams that I thought they them and Duke they kind of they kind of lose out because they were more of a second half of the year type team. Right. 
Duke was right. arguably the best team in in second half of January through right. February. I mean, they right. if they would have played decent to start the season, they may have been a number one seed, but they probably would have been a top top ten seed. Right. Um, but they just that those first. I mean, I think it was early in March they weren't even projected to make the tournament. Them and yeah. Kentucky were supposed to be out. Um, but yeah, Missouri, Missouri definitely impressed me as well. Um, one thing to note, Bill Self will not coach today against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's something to to watch out for. I don't know that it's that much of an impact. Um, but so, which we'll just give like a maybe a slight explanation. But which one seed is going down next? Oof, that's tough. I think. I think the easy answer for me is Houston. I, I was going to say Houston because they said Marcus Sasser is going to play today. Yeah, um, but he played last time and he got hurt again. That's like, exactly what I'm saying. I just don't I mean it's a growing, right? Yeah. Like, dude, that stuff doesn't just get better it over lingers. a day. Yeah. Like, it just lingers. And even if you feel like you can go, I mean, I just think that's really, that's really going to be something that hurts their team. And I'm not saying they're going to lose in the second round. You know, necessarily. Yeah. But you get into a game with uh with Indiana or something like that. I mean, that could be the edge that Indiana needs to right. be able to beat you, you know. So yeah, anyways, absolutely. Right. Well, that about covers it for, for round one of the of the tournament. So we're gonna go ahead and, and jump in here to the crazy free agency that it's already been. Football, let's go. Man sport. If, what are you trying to say? (laughs) Man sport. (laughs) If if you're a a bigger football fan than you are a basketball fan, this is your March Madness. Once free agency begins, it is it is your it's your time. It kind of gets swept under the rug sometimes. Me and Jalen were trying to quiet the group chat down because they were. You guys were all talking about NFL free agency, and I'm like, yeah. I don't really care. Furman's about to beat Virginia. Like, right. Just... Well, the thing is, is like, I'm an Ohio State fan, so my team's not in it. Um, and you know, and I'm a huge Bears fan, so obviously, and it's like the combination of my team not being in March Madness and the Bears having the biggest offseason in my entire life. Like, yeah. The reason why it always gets swept under the rug is because nobody ever cares what we do, you know, because we're all true. just we're pretty confident we're going to be horrible anyways. Yeah. So it's like, why does it matter if we can't beat Green Bay? Like, who cares? But this year, like, just the way everything is shaping up, like, it's just the most exciting Bears offseason we've ever had as fans. For sure. And and I'm almost 30 years old. So I know there's others that have been rooting longer than I have that that feel the same sentiment, you know. But that's why I'm so excited. I mean, I will – turn off NFL free agency to watch a big time upset any day of the week, but it's exciting. I can't just not be excited about, about what the bears are doing. So yeah, for sure. Well, let's start off. We'll just kind of go over some of the more notable free agency signings so far. Obviously Derek Carr goes to new Orleans. Uh, Jimmy G is going to Las Vegas. Um, Taylor Heineke. I think he'll probably be the starter in Atlanta. We'll see between him and I think it's him and Desmond Ritter. I I wouldn't be shocked if he is. Yeah. I mean, Desmond Ritter 
they're going to give him a chance to, they're going to give Devin Ritter a chance to win the job. Yeah. Desmond Ritter. I'm sorry. Not Devin Desmond. They're going to give him a chance to win the job. I just think Heineke's got more experience and he's not completely terrible. Um, so I could, I could really see that playing out where Heineke gets that job. How old is, is Heineke? Do you know? Mid twenties. 29, I think just about 30. Is he about 30? Wow. He's older than I thought. Yeah. So if, if I'm Atlanta, I mean, it's not like you're playing for, for anything this year. Right. So I, well, in that division though, that's true. Anything can happen in that division. And they just about made the playoffs last year, you know, just because their division is horrible. So you could have a situation like the NFC East several years ago. You know, I mean, what were the Bucks last year? Seven and nine, and they won the division. Yeah, or what was it? Eight and nine, eight and nine, I think. Eight and nine, um, yeah. Because there's 17 games now. But so I think if you're the Falcons, you're probably thinking at this point you got an outside chance. So I think they're going to try to win games. I don't yeah. know if that's the smart thing to do, but I think they're going to try to win games, and you see that with some of the other signings that they've made. For sure. Um We'll switch to another team in that division. Carolina totally cleared out the QB room. Uh, Andy Dalton comes in. Obviously, Baker left in the middle of, of last year. He is going to Tampa Bay. Um, and then uh, P.J. Walker signs with the Bears. And Sam Darnold signs with the 49ers. I, I like the signing with P.J. Walker. Um, I think I think all those guys fell upwards. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really do. I Obviously, those all those guys all had time as starters in Carolina, but Baker was never going to be the guy in Carolina, and he had no supporting cast whatsoever. Especially once they traded um, McCaffrey, and then in the offseason they traded you know DJ Moore. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you, Lovey. Um, so there was no weapons there. PJ Walker going to be a backup in Chicago. It's where he kind of belongs as a backup. You know, he's not yeah. a starter in the league. Um, but he can be with Justin Fields and he does a lot of similar things that Justin Fields does. Like he's not as good as Justin Fields, obviously, but he does some good things. Um, And I think that will change the bears offense less. If Justin Fields misses time. Yeah. Um, Then of course, obviously it being Trevor Simeon back there and then Sam Darnold, dude, going to the Niners. That's a beautiful, beautiful place to be to resurrect your career. It would not surprise me at all if he ends up the starter halfway through the season. Just because of injury. Just right. Not because of play. Yeah, but but I'm saying I'm saying like to let's be honest, like what good coach has Sam Darnold had? Yeah. Like no one, dude. None. Like he's not been in a good situation the entire time he's been in the NFL. Right. So you send him to the 49ers, and even if he rides the pine for a while, yeah, like even if this is the whole season, I think he's going to be better for it. Right. So, and Baker obviously getting to be the starter in Tampa. Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not a high end starting quarterback, but he's a starting quarterback. He is. He is. I think. I, I think the knock on him is is Cleveland should have been better. Now a lot of that was coaching. Um, obviously, but I, I do think Baker is a starter. Um, the other signing that kind of goes under the radar, Mike White signs with Miami. 
which which you know Mike White's going to be starting at some point. <laughs> that that's what I'm saying. That's that's a really good signing. I think Mike White could can be really good, especially if you surround him with with guys like uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, I could throw to those guys and and stumble into the the super or into the playoffs. I think. Yeah, for uh, real. Like you and I could go out there and play quarterback with those dudes. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is get it up in the air. Yeah, just throw it. Just chuck um, it. Tyreek's down there somewhere. <laughs> Um, I think we covered all of the most notable QB moves. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to touch on with the quarterback yeah. situation was like, you know, Jimmy G going to the Raiders. We talked a little bit about it on the last pod about how that kind of affects the bears draft position a little bit because it makes it less likely for the Raiders to, to take a quarterback at that position, um, in the draft. So that's one less team ahead of them. That's going to be looking at quarterback. But I still don't think it's going to really affect a whole lot because I still think there's going to be four quarterbacks taken before the Bears. I don't think there's going to be any more or any less than that. So no matter who takes them, you know, you're talking more about like the players that go off the board before the Bears pick. So I think there's going to be four no matter what. So I don't think it affects tremendously, but it is one less team um, and one more team that's going to be probably looking to add somewhere other than the quarterback position. You don't give Jimmy G that much money and then draft a rookie. Right. Even For though sure. even though you should. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 valid for sure. Um Yeah, I think that uh Gardner Minshew I think actually is another one that that I didn't mention. I think yeah, he ends up uh, the starter. That's an under the radar signing too. Yeah. Because is he good? He's not bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's great, you know, but I like, let's be honest about this, dude. I think he's better than what Matt Ryan gave you last year. Is he better than Carson Wentz? I think he's better than what Carson Wentz gave you he's a couple cheaper years than ago. Carson Wentz. He's much cheaper. I think that's a great signing by the Colts. Obviously it doesn't rule them out from taking a quarterback, but what it does is it allows them to take pressure off of that quarterback. Yeah. If for some reason, I think CJ Stroud should be the first quarterback off the board. I think the Texans love Bryce Young. So I'm going to go CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, one, two, three. I think the Cardinals end up having to sit there because the only team that would possibly want to trade up for them all the way to three to get a quarterback, I think is Seattle. And I don't see the Cardinals being willing to help out Seattle get their quarterback. Right. So I think, I think the Cardinals end up sitting there and they take Will Anderson at four is uh, the Colts. I think the Colts are going to take Will Levis. But if they take Anthony Richardson, who's a guy who everybody thinks is like tremendously talented, it's just very, very raw, this at least buys them time for him to develop some some skill diagnosing defenses or um, help them fix his you know, his throwing motion or a little, be a little bit more accurate. I think you're asking for trouble to draft Anthony Richardson. But when that's did his, just my opinion. When did his draft stock go up? Because I feel like right before the combine, nobody was really talking about Anthony Richardson. Well, I think it he's always had a relatively high draft stock. Everybody thought that he was going to be a first round pick his whole time at Florida. Yeah, Everybody first round. Him. But I, I hadn't heard like he, top five picks right, for a long right. time. Well, I think excites everybody is just like the intangibles you know, about, well, not the intangibles. I'm sorry, that's not the right word. 
um, the characteristics, the tangibles. The, yeah, the tangibles. Um, <laughs> his ability to throw the ball deep. You know, like he's got tremendous arm talent. Um, he's quick. He's tall. Like he's he's a big guy. He's got massive hands. Um, you know, he's crazy athletic. I think that's what is just tantalizing about him is just all the raw skill. Um, but we've seen it time and time again. Raw skill doesn't make you a good quarterback. You know, right. arm talent doesn't make you a good quarterback. Um, and that's why I kind of like am a little bit shocked at how much people love him. But there's always that combine darling. Always, yeah. you yeah. know. And I think he just benefits so much from the physical attributes. That's the word I was looking for was attributes. His physical attributes, um, he, he looks really good on paper. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately the ball doesn't look very good on the ground. So he has to be able to throw the football. And every time I watched him in Florida, it was like, it felt like watching Mitch. Like just missing wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. Like it's wonderful that you could throw a great deep ball. But if you can't hit the five-yard out route in the NFL, you aren't going to make it. Right. You're just not. So he's a quarterback that I think would do well on a, on a team. Like if you get drafted historically, like in the last, you know, 10 years, if you get drafted by the Jets, like your career is already over before you even step foot in the locker yeah. room. Right. I think he needs a team that – you know, like a like a Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith type situation. Like the team is set. Like they're a playoff team. Yeah. He gets drafted and he can sit behind a a solid quarterback. Not necessarily like a you know a top ten quarterback, mm -hmm. but he can sit behind a quarterback and kind of develop because I think he, you know, he does have a ton of raw talent. Right. I think the best coach for him to sit under is Frank Wright. Yeah. In Carolina, but it's not necessarily the best situation. You know, yeah. he's got zero weapons in Carolina. And if you're an inaccurate quarterback with zero weapons, that's just yeah. going to make matters that much worse. Right. So, well, let's let's move on a little bit outside of the quarterback. Um, to you, what was the the biggest non QB move? Um, obviously, QBs get the most headlines because that is. Uh, the most important position in sports. <coughs> um, but but outside of that, there's been a ton of moves that could have a ton of impact. So so what to you was the biggest non non QB move? Um, I think it's more like a series of moves than anything else. I mean, we saw quite a few defensive guys move around. I mean, Javon Hargrave going to the 49ers. He's obviously a tremendous talent. You know, he's going to help that defense, but let's be real. That defense was already stinking elite anyways. I mean, it's more yeah. of a case of the rich getting richer. I mean, you're you're just – you are always going to have to worry about the D-line in San Francisco, you right. know. So I don't know how much that necessarily changes for them. Obviously, it helps their run defense tremendously. Um, but I, I think that defense was still going to be elite with or without Javon Hargrave. So that's a huge deal, obviously. Um but how much impact it's going to have, I don't really know. Um, and that's not a slight against Javon Hargrave. It's just more of a respect to how good San Francisco's D-line is. Um, I think I think that's a bigger move for Philly's side than it is for San Francisco. 
it definitely is a bigger move for Philly than it is San Francisco. It removing him off of that line um, definitely hurts the Eagles. Yeah. Now the Eagles have been one of the more interesting teams in free agency. Just the guys that they've lost, the guys that they've figured out a way to keep. Um, Slay, I mean, looked like he was out the door. Some pretty horrendous reporting about him being released and then not being released all of a sudden, and then them working out a deal. I mean, good on the Eagles for getting him to come back. Um, Bradbury, so they they kept their corners, you know, and they kept Fletcher Cox. So I'm pretty sure they they came to terms with Brandon Graham. I mean, so they I'm pretty sure Brandon Graham resigned there. I think I read that. I think so. Um, so they they kept some. If not, he I'm pretty sure he was rumored to be going back. Um, but I and that wouldn't shock me. Um, yeah, they so, they did they signed him to a one year deal. Okay, yeah. So um, the Eagles definitely lost some pieces though i mean they lost tj edwards to the bears thank you thank you very much um we will take tj edwards uh but it's interesting to see what's in there obviously they're trying to work out something with uh cj gardner johnson as well um he tweeted out the other day the disrespect is real so apparently he's not getting the contract offer he wants um but anyway so the eagles have been really really interesting i think the biggest movement the biggest thing that we've talked about, especially from a Bears fan's perspective, is the tackle market. Um, and I think those are typically your biggest conversations. You know, yeah. the thing is about the tackle market is elite tackles don't get on the market. Right. Very often, you know. So those guys usually get acquired via trade. This year kind of felt different, and I was on the sign Orlando Brown trade. Like, just throw as much money at him as you want. You know, I don't even care. Just get him to Chicago. Well, it became abundantly clear as free agency opened up that Chicago was not going to do that. Um, and so they pursued Mike McGlinchey. He was going to sign with the Bears, like, right out of the gate. It was like, boom, TJ Edwards to the Bears. Boom, Mike McGlinchey to the Bears. And then, like, 20 minutes later, the deal wasn't done. He was signing with Denver. Um which ended up being a case of Denver offering a lot more money and the Bears not being willing to match it. Um, you got Jawan Taylor, who signed with the Chiefs to replace Orlando Brown, which then had everybody thinking, okay, so you think Orlando Brown's a right tackle, so you let him walk because you didn't want to pay him, and then you signed a right tackle from Jacksonville and said you're going to be our left tackle. Okay, so what does that really say about Orlando Brown? The yeah. fact that you would pay Jawan Taylor to be your left tackle, who used to be a right tackle, and you wouldn't pay your own left tackle, you know, yeah. um, that was already there that you just won a Super Bowl with. So I don't know what that says about Orlando Brown. But that had everybody asking questions. Kayla McGarry signs back with Atlanta. Andre Dillard goes to Tennessee. I mean, I, as much as I wanted a tackle, I respect Ryan Poles not overpaying for one so if, so let me let me stop you right there let's let's get into this right now we've covered a lot of the bigger names as far as as far as tackles go we've covered qbs how do you feel about what ryan poles has done so far i am incredibly impressed with ryan poles um now there and that's not to say that there's not dudes that i wanted um that we didn't get i wanted draymond jones um 
the defensive tackle from the Broncos who ended up signing with Seattle. I wanted Draymond Jones. I wanted Zach Allen, um, who went from Arizona to Denver. Um, you know, so I wanted those guys on this team. I didn't ever think that we were necessarily going to get Javon Hargrave, but I would have been ecstatic if we did. Um, and I, I thought we might make a run at Dalvin Tomlinson, but I guess that ended up being too much money as well. The thing that I'm impressed with about Ryan Poles through all of this, though, is he's clearly not going to enter into horrible contracts. Yeah. Like, that's just the bottom line. At some point, you're going to have to pay somebody. So he paid Edmonds, right? And I saw a lot of people blowing up that deal, acting like it was too much money. Well, those were the same people that were saying pay Roquan. And Roquan ended up signing this massive contract. So now you have a linebacking core who literally is less than one Roquan. You know, in TJ Edwards, Edmonds, and Jack Sanborn, you have your starting linebackers for less than you'd be paying Roquan every year. And and, and especially Edmonds, he's a really good linebacker. He's a very, very good linebacker. He's got to develop. That- I don't know that any of them are as good as Rokon Smith, but, no, they're, but that's, they're really good linebackers. Right, but that's the point is that, that I'm trying to make. Like, Terrell Edmonds is a tremendous linebacker. He's incredibly athletic. He obviously played middle linebacker for a great defense in Buffalo. Yeah. So, you know, you know you're having a big role in that. He flies around the field, um, making play after play. And he's a great tackler. He's obviously got to develop. He's incredibly quick. I mean, the thing about him that is so impressive is he's still really, really young. Yeah. Like nobody, this guy has played five years in the league. I think it is. Um, And he's still younger than Bayless Jones. Like a guy you just drafted in the third round last year. Right. He's played five years in the league. And he's younger than one of your wide receivers who's only played a season. You know, like there's so much upside to Edmonds and that signing. And I love the value. You know, TJ Edwards' value is incredible. That's a great signing. And a lot of what Ryan Poles is doing with these contracts that he is handing out, you know, signing a guy like Demarcus Walker, which is, again, another great value. Um, the the lineman he signed, like a great value. Um so I just think in his mind, he's going quantity, you know, like value. He's not yeah. necessarily thinking about the high top, top end. And some people can be upset about that because in theory, you want all the best players. But in reality, you can't pay all the best players. So you sign these guys to contracts that make your football team better and you're not necessarily committing a ton of cap space to them after this year. You know, um, obviously, Edmonds, you're going to be paying for a little bit, but even his contract is front loaded. You know, so after the second season, very few becomes, and I think that would be his age 26 or 27 season, that becomes very easy to cut. You know, so if that's the case, I don't think you're going to be in that spot. He's still so young, but. Just the way he's structuring some of these contracts, you're not going to be paying these guys forever. 
you know, and we've right. seen this in Chicago, we get super stoked about a particular free agent. Um, and then we see that contract play out and it's just a mess, you know? So I think what you've seen in Ryan Poles is he's definitely, he's going to see where is the value in this market and he's going to have a number. And yes, he wants the top end players. Yes. He would love to have Mike McGlinchey. Um, he would have loved to sign Mike McGlinchey. That was clear. You don't get announced that you've, you're coming to terms with a player unless you're deep into negotiations with them. Um, so for me, he wants those guys, but he's not going to overpay for those guys. And that's that's the important thing for me when it comes to Ryan Poles. That's why I'm impressed with him. He's not he's not looking at the market and then panicking. Right. You know, and he could have cuz the Mike McGlinchey thing happened right off the bat. Okay? It was like first hour of the illegal or the legal tampering period. And McGlinchey's coming to the Bears and everybody's stoked about it. Then it gets ripped away from you. I feel like Ryan Pace would just turn and just pay as much as he possibly can to the next top guy. You know, and Ryan right. Poles was like, no, I had my guy. I had my number. It didn't work out. And I'm not going to get my team into this crazy cap situation that we can't get out of. So to me, that's the most impressive thing about Ryan Poles. This offseason to me is how well he's handled himself. You don't feel like he's out of control. You don't feel like he's making decisions that are not very calculated. Like everything feels calculated. Everything, you yeah. know, letting David Montgomery walk as much as that hurts him going to the Lions. That just pains me, dude, that David Montgomery is not playing for the Bears and he's playing with the stinking Lions. I hate that. But I will take Devont, uh, Deontay Foreman. Like the guy who had 100 more rushing yards than De David Montgomery last year, you know, right? Like he's looking at and it is costing three million dollars. You know, the right. value, the value is there in all of these contracts signing Robert Tunyon. You know, there's a value. And that's what Ryan Pulse is going to do. He's going to look and see where's the value. I'm not going to overpay for David Montgomery. I'm not going to overpay for Miles Sanders. Where's the value? And that kind of mentality is what's going to help continue to build this team for a very, very long time. He's yeah, not trying to do it all in one year. I was going to bring up, you know, I, I think the thing the Bears have been missing is they've had a couple guys like here and there that are are good, but they haven't really had like a core. We see this every year. There's always a team that gets into the playoffs that really doesn't have anything that they do like amazing or they don't have like a, a marquee player anywhere, mm -hmm. but they just have a really strong team across the board. And I think that's one of the things the Bears have been missing. And he's starting from ground zero. You know, he's been unbuilding the last couple of years. Right, right. Tearing it down. And now what he's doing this year um, is he's not afraid to spend because, you know, we have right. the cap space. Um, but he's not going to overspend. And instead, he's going to sign guys that, that make a good core that next year when there are some, some more free agents available, um, it, it's a team that they want to come to. Right, and that's the thing too, is the reason that is, you're 100% right that this team lacks a core. The reason that that is though, man, is because Ryan Pace traded away draft picks like they were candy, you know, like just gave them yeah. away. Yeah. You know, how many years did we go without a first round pick because of the Mitch trade, because of the Khalil Mack trade? And we were all stoked to get Khalil Mack, but I don't think anybody realized what that was going to do to hurt this team for as long as it did. You know, right. and Ryan Poles is looking at draft capital 
and he's cherishing it. You know, he's not just throwing it around. That's why he's not going to trade for Austin Eckler. Right. He's not going to, he's not going to do that because it, as fun as that would be, he's not going to do that because it's going to give away precious draft capital. And, and that's the thing that I feel like is so much different about pulls to pace is he values, he values the right things and, that value is going to be at least what what keeps this team in a good financial situation. And you're you're probably never going to come to a place where you're like, man, we don't have the the picks or we don't have the money to be able to do something. He's not going to rule himself out of something he could potentially do next year because he overpaid for something that was a plan C this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what this this also does this year is there's some there's some free agents next year at the wide receiver position. You have guys like CD Lamb. Um, I think he's a restricted free agent next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, there's a lot of restricted free agents, but it gives you more more flexibility when it comes to some of those those bigger name guys. Like obviously we got DJ Moore, who's a really good signing, right? Um, or trade rather. But um, you have some of these other guys that are going to be free agents next year, and so right. it, it opens up a lot. Right, it opens up a lot, but most of the time, that with especially with wide receivers, we've seen this a lot lately, is wide receivers in like the third year of their contract or fourth year of their contract or whatever, when they're not going to get another deal uh, or a team doesn't want to pay them, they end up getting traded. A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, D.J. Moore, you know, this this has happened quite a bit. I could see that playing out with several others, you know. Um, yeah. Most of the time, those just like top-end tackles don't get to the free agent market very often. Top and wide receivers don't go free agency very often. Right. Because the team trades for them and then they pay them. Um, so for me, I just think, you know, Ryan Poles is building this the way that he should. You know, he's building it with capital, draft capital, um, getting an extra first round pick next year. I mean, we went years without having a first round pick. Now we got two next year. You know, and I am going to beat the Marvin Harrison drum until it doesn't happen. So um, I would do everything in my power to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, yeah. I would trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr. Anything that I could possibly do to get Marvin Harrison Jr. on this team. Um, and that's partially because I'm an Ohio State fan and partially because I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL right now. Right. So, um, so I mean, he's, just, he's, he's building it to where there's a lot of options. So Yeah, for sure. There's still a lot of needs, you know, but... I like what he's done so far. This is a better team than than three wins, though. I, I think is the this the, was a the better team. <laughs> this was a better yeah. This was a better team than three wins last year. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it just I don't think they should have lost some of the games they lost. I'm happy they did because it, it's put them in a good position um, this year. Uh, but this team, this team, have built right and hit on the next several steps of this rebuild. I mean, there's still a lot of defensive talent that's out there. The Bears yeah. need the Bears need to fix their D-line, and there's still quite a few guys out there that they could use to fix this D-line. Um, so they got to get O-line help. You know, I think they're going to try to do that in the draft because I think Ryan Poles likes the fact that, that that's going to be controllable and young, and I think that's another thing for Ryan Poles. He went into this offseason – thinking I have the draft to fall back on. And he he did that. He stayed true to that, you know. So there's still a lot of holes. 
but I'm really excited. We'll see yeah. what ends up happening. This team should should be at least the second best team in the division. Yeah, at least I, I think so. Well, that leads us into to a little bit outside of the Bears conversation. Um, Aaron Rodgers deal still isn't done with the Jets. Just get out, dude. Just go, leave. I I don't I'll, know what's holding it. I up will drive point. you to New York. I don't think he needs that, but I mean, right? He definitely doesn't need that, and that would be a horrible car ride. But so here's the thing about this, and I'll make this fast. But Aaron Rodgers is desperate to get out of Green Bay. He's desperate to make this deal happen, and everybody was talking about who has leverage. Well, the Packers don't have any leverage. Here's the deal: the Packers have all the leverage, all of it. Aaron Rodgers is still under contract with the Packers. It doesn't matter if he wants to leave. It doesn't matter if he wants to take every lame Packers wide receiver with him. He's under contract with the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers had leverage and he wasn't desperate, he would not have gone on Pat McAfee's show and aired everything out. He just wouldn't have. Right. He is desperate to get this done, and he is trying everything he possibly can. Do not misunderstand. That was a calculated thing. He was trying to regain the leverage, and it didn't work. The Packers said, forget you, dude. We're going to get everything we possibly can for you. And I, I think and that, I don't blame him. I read a report that, that what's holding up the deal is if the Packers wait until, I think it's June 1st, to, yeah. to trade they, him. They save $25 million. They save $25 million. And so they're trying to say, look, we'll trade you right now. We just need the Jets to cover $25 million. And the problem is the Jets don't want to do that. And that's after the draft. Like they wouldn't be able to trade till after the draft, and the Jets. Which don't is do that. which is it, exactly to your point. The Packers hold all the leverage. They hold the leverage, they're, baby. They're controlling the money. Mm-hmm. They're controlling the money in this situation, and I think they want to move Aaron Rodgers. But they do, they do. But they also want fair compensation. Absolutely. You know? They're not so, just gonna. They're not just gonna trade him for. And, and dump a ton of money that like they don't get to use for no right. reason. So to them is like, you know, we'll hold out, we'll trade you after June and you know, yeah, we'll be, we'll be good from there. Yeah. Um, that, that Rogers interview though, just reeked of desperation and it was a beautiful thing. It was, beautiful. it absolutely did as a bears fan watching him in desperation. Anytime is a, a good right. thing to see. Think about um, being desperate to go to New York. That's hilarious. He's just dying to get out of the, the end yeah. of the NFC North. NFC, sorry. Thinking NL Central. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that moves us to to the Lamar Jackson situation, which is almost just as confusing as the Aaron Rodgers situation. This is going to play out exactly like I said it would. R- remind us what, how, how you said I said it a couple of weeks ago, you guys asked if the Lamar Jackson situation affected the Bears. And I said no, because what's going to end up happening is they're going to put a tag on him. Nobody's going to want to sign it, that contract. He's going to end up signing that contract. Like the the fact that they put a um, non-exclusive. Yeah. Was it non-exclusive or I, I can't remember which one. So they put the tag on him, and it's attached to two first round picks. Like said, so teams got to give up two first round picks, and then they got to sign him to a massive contract. Lamar Jackson has missed way too many games for a team to look at him and say, "I want to give you two hundred fifty million guaranteed." And I'm going to give up two first round picks to be able to do it. It's just, right. it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Lamar Jackson is going to play with the Ravens next year. 
or he's going to sit out because like, like the Packers, the team holds all the leverage. Yeah. I, I think can't do anything about it. I think this is just a testament to, and this is no disrespect at all, but this is why you hire an agent. This exactly. is exactly, this is why you don't. And, and again, no disrespect, but this is why you don't have your mom manage your career. Right. Like, I mean, this is what, what an agent is able to do is, is plant those seeds that allows the trades to take place where you end up looking up and be like, man, you know, Lamar Jackson got a great deal. Right. You know, like he doesn't deserve a, uh, a top of the line contract yet. He just right. doesn't, but he deserves a, a decent contract, but well, he's not he, going to get that. And he's won an MVP, you know, but he hasn't won anything in the playoffs and he's been injured, you know, like nobody wants to pay a quarterback that's been injured that many times. Right. You know, like if we're going just off a winning percentage, Jimmy G would have got 250 guaranteed, you know, but yeah. Because he's been injured all the time, he got three or sixty-four. You know, it's not just about can you win. And the argument can be made that Jimmy G's won more than Lamar. I'm not saying Jimmy G's a better quarterback by any means, but it's just the thing is, is like it's not just about winning. It's about your health. It's about your style of play. It's your availability. You know, it's about everything. Yeah. And it's not enough to just win an MVP. Like right. that. That's great. You know, and I don't think anybody's sitting here pretending like Lamar Jackson's not a great quarterback. But people asked all offseason would, would the Bears trade Justin Fields for Lamar Jackson straight up? And I said no. Like that's that would be silly, you know? And I think that's what a lot of teams feel like is why would we give up valuable, valuable assets to get an, a quarterback that can't stay healthy? for a whole season because of the style of play. Yeah. And you don't know if Lamar Jackson's legs go out, if he's going to be a good quarterback anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think he plays with the Ravens this year. I think he, he ends up staying on the Ravens this year. Um, and I, I, think I think they're, they're brilliant for playing the, the non-exclusive right. tag on him. I think somebody can, I think the way it ends up happening is somebody ends up signing him to a, an offer sheet not anytime soon, but I think somebody will end up signing him to an offer sheet and the Ravens will just match it and it'll be done. Yeah. I think that's the way it plans out. Well, last thing uh, I think we have to talk about today um, is Jalen Carter. Um, he's he's fallen in the, the uh, mock drafts. He had a horrible pro day, wasn't able to finish his workouts. He's nine pounds heavier than he was at the combine two weeks ago. Um, Maybe it was, it was three, two and a half, three weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what to read into this situation. I mean, it. What yeah. do you What do you think about it? So I specifically asked us to talk about Jalen Carter because I want to set the record straight. If I'm the Bears sitting at nine and Jalen Carter falls to me, if it's me, now I'm not saying Ryan Poles is going to do this, but if it's me, I'm taking Jalen Carter. And it's not even a question. It's not even a question if I'm taking him. It's because a guy's been going through some stuff over the last several weeks. It's not uncommon for lineman's weight to fluctuate during the offseason. I've read conflicting reports from different sources saying that what he did in his workout was really, really good. Yeah. His, it's just his 
conditioning wasn't great yet. And so I also, Todd McShay, being Todd McShay, loves throwing around the phrase character issues. Every single year, Todd McShay picks somebody just to pick on, and he just talks about their character issues all year long. And every time his face is plastered on Sports Center, he talks about this guy's character issues. Listen, Jalen Carter does not have character issues. Yeah. He has maturity issues. Those are two completely different things. Immaturity doesn't scare me away from drafting a guy. Character issues, that, that'll scare you away from drafting a guy. Yeah. Jalen Carter is immature. Okay, he's a guy that likes to drive too fast. He's immature. All right? He let his weight fluctuate. He shouldn't have been doing that. And I'm not excusing anything that Jalen Carter's done or saying that, you know, he gets a pass for anything. Clearly, he's got to grow up. But by all accounts, everybody has come to Jalen Carter's defense and talked about how good of character he actually has. There was a story that I just read a little bit earlier today about um, a D lineman for Georgia who was the only lineman in this particular story that wasn't on scholarship. All right. So he was just a walk on, no scholarship. And the way their their lunch stuff works out, like if you're on scholarship, you can eat the meals. If you're not, you you have the option to pay for it. This kid couldn't afford it. Jalen Carter bought this kid lunch every single day last year. Does that sound like a guy with character issues? Yeah. Like yeah, Jalen Carter sure. looked at his teammate with problem, with an issue that he couldn't fix. He said, hey, I'm going to use my scholarship money to buy your lunch every single day. Like not just once because I'm a, a good teammate. I'm going to do it every single day. Nobody does that. Yeah. Like that's a guy that's looking out for his teammate. That's a guy that's looking out for his friend. A walk-on when you're Jalen Carter and you're a top five pick in the NFL draft. And he's just he's just caring after a walk-on. That doesn't yeah. happen in star players. That doesn't tell me a guy has character issues. It tells me he's immature. All right? He speeds. He drives too fast. He needs to knock it off. He needs to grow up. But a person can mature. It's a lot easier for a person to mature than to change who they are. And that's the thing with, for me about Jalen Carter. I think you get him around some vets. You get him around some people that know how life in the NFL is. You have good influences in his life, and you show him he needs to mature. And I think Jalen Carter gets it because, let's be honest, all this has got to be embarrassing for him. Yeah, absolutely. But, but if he had character problems, if he had major character flaws, that's a different thing. You know, you would hear different stories about who he is as a person other than he's a guy that cared about his teammates. You right. know, obviously the situation with the traffic accident – is is tragic you know Jalen Carter probably feels just as horrible as all of us if not worse than all of us do that it that it happened you know it's so easy for us to talk about like oh this this kid was irresponsible and you know this all happened that doesn't mean has bad character right you know it it just means he's immature and it accidents happen when you're immature you know so I just, I just think all this. I'm just getting really frustrated with people overblowing Jalen Carter's character issues, and I don't know Jalen Carter, but I just think there needs to be a clarification, you know. And I think, 
I'm more doing more with Todd McShay right now. Like you, you can't just, when you come at somebody's character, it's, it's a lot, man. That's a lot for you to come at somebody's character. You know, that's way different than saying somebody's immature. Those, those two things can be managed in different ways. If I'm the bears and I look at Jalen Carter and maybe the bears know something I don't, but if I'm the bears knowing the information that I have, and you're talking to Jalen Carter, and you're like, this kid is just clearly a little bit immature. I'm taking Jalen Carter at nine, and I'm not looking back. Absolutely. He's probably I, the best talent in the draft. I, I think so. I think another thing, um, you know, there was some speculation on on what he could be handed as far as the sentence goes. Um, he did accept um, 12 months probation and a $1,000 fine and 80 hours of community service. Yeah. Um, so, so there wouldn't be any issue with him, you know, missing any – any practices, any games or anything like right. that. Um, so I, I think that's Im- important. I mean, that it, it sounds like, you know, it's not a, a big deal. Um, but he was, I initially heard like up to a year in prison is, is what I had heard. Um, yeah. So I, I think it is an important thing to note. But just like you're saying, you know, nobody's excusing what happened. Nobody. Nobody's saying like. You can't oh, let that happen. You can't let that happen. You got to let these guys. I mean, and I'm not even making a joke. I'm being dead serious. If you don't learn something from Henry Ruggs, like about just driving fast and just, you know, like just being reckless in general, not even driving, not even driving. Like, I just don't understand it, you know, and you have some of the vets that came out and they were like, listen, get a driver. Yeah. You know, have a driver like and that sounds so simple. But maybe that's the kind of stuff that Jalen Carter needs to hear, you yeah. know, is a vet that that pulls him under his wing. Maybe that's Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. You know, maybe it's somebody like that that, you know, gets a hold of him and says, dude, you need to straighten out. Yeah. Like, let's not do this. Yeah. Sorry, Absolutely. I interrupted you. Go ahead. What no, were you really, saying? You're good. I, I was just emphasizing the point that you were making that, like, you know, this isn't like a non-issue. This isn't a thing that you just kind of like, you know, you do, you, you draft him and just say, well, he never did anything wrong. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying that like, it's not a character issue. As far as like what's been brought to light, right. this isn't a character issue. You know, right. maybe there are some other things that, that we haven't heard reported or aren't being reported or any, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't heard anything outside of this story about right. any character issues at all. It's easy to look at these guys going into the NFL draft as just grown men, you know, and they're going to play a grown man sport and all those things. But you got to remember Jalen Carter's, was he 21? Like 21. I think anybody that's listened to this podcast can remember a time when they were 21 and they were probably driving too fast. Yeah. You know, like the difference is, is he's a high profile athlete. You know, now I'm not I'm not saying any of us ever did something to the level that he did, you know, drag racing on a on a public street or anything like that. But you know, I think I think that go as far as to say there's problems with his character. Um, if that's why you're not drafting him, I think you're wrong. I just yeah. I, based on what the knowledge that we have now, there might be stuff that we don't know, but based on the way his teammates have talked about him, based on the way his coaches have talked about him. Like, I don't see character issues. I see immaturity. 
And I think that those two things are different and can be handled different ways. Yeah. And I, I do want to add, this is kind of way, way off topic. You know, you mentioned he's, he's a kid, like he's, he's 21 years old. I know, you know, there are more expectations when you're a star athlete, you know, you do need to, to mature a little bit quicker, <clears throat> excuse me. But even as far as the, the NCAA tournament goes, when these guys lose, they're getting hate messages on, on Twitter and stuff. These kids right. are 18 to, to 22 years old. Right. It's and not it, that big of a deal, people. It's mind-boggling. Like, look, I'm as passionate as anybody. I do a sports podcast for an hour and a half, two hours every week. Like, I'm very clearly passionate about sports. Like, I, I get it. I'm not going out here telling these kids, you know, to to commit suicide and things like that. You right. know, and like, if you if you're betting money on it and you lost money on these games, that's your fault for betting on kids. That's your that's fault on for you. betting on a game. That is on you. Don't come at these kids because because you can't get your own situation under control. I'm 100% there with you, brother. Like it's just to me for any sport, like it's sports, man. Like it's a game. It is a game and think about how much joy sports brings all of us and Man, you're you're not having the best sports fandom that you can if you're somebody who lets it affect your life like that. I mean, I love sports. I love watching sports, you know, but and I used to be way back in the day when well not way back, but several, several, several years ago, you know, before I got married. I've been married almost six years now, but if if my team lost, it ruined my day. Yeah. You know, it ruined my week. Now it's just kind of like all right, cool, whatever, you know, like I wish my team won, you know, and that's a way better way to, to live life than being all upset about it and being all hurt and, you know, getting all up in your feelings, you know, and insulting these kids and saying some nasty, hateful, racist garbage, right? Like It's unbelievable to me. Like there's nothing that gets me, gets me going more than that. Like, yeah. man, College basketball is my thing, man. I, I love it. Yeah. I'm never going to take it out on a kid if a kid decides to transfer somewhere else. I'm never going to take it out on a kid if he misses a shot or makes a dumb play. Right. Like, right. It's just, it's wild to me that some some people think it's okay to do that. Like, it just, yeah, it blows it, my mind. I know I, I went out on a, a no, on a no, actually, there, I, I agree with you. You know, I agree with you. And, and that's kind of just what I'm saying. You know, this isn't, those aren't, quite the same situations as with right, Carter, right. but the thing is is like you got to give kids grace you know it's not like Jalen Carter is you know a domestic abuser right that's character issues you know that's that's a guy with a severe problem you know and that doesn't mean you just completely discount those people you want them to get help and all of that stuff but Jalen Carter is a kid who drives too fast yeah. You know, and it's very easy when the NFL draft comes around for, for the media to blow this stuff up and for us to just completely write these guys off yeah. um, and just talk, just jump on the bandwagon talking about how terrible of people they are. That's why you shouldn't draft them. That's, that's not the case here. I think, I think Jalen Carter is just immature. And if the Bears select him at nine, I will be very happy. I don't know if they will, but if Ryan Poles is sitting there, Jalen Carter's on the board. I think he's got to think strongly about it. So, yeah. And if that's the case, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. I think I, 
I don't think Jalen Carter is going to be there at nine. Personally, I think he's going to get drafted ahead of the Bears. Um, with that being said, I expect, and we'll close with this. Um, maybe we can talk about this more at another point. I expect Ryan Bowles to trade back relatively far in the first round and get as much draft capital as possible. And I expect Ryan Poles at some point to try to either move up or select DeWan Jones from Ohio State. Jackson Smith and and Jigba. And the reason I think that is because Ryan Poles has clearly shown, if we've learned anything over the last couple days, it's Braxton Jones is the Bears' left tackle. Like, that's just what we learned, is Braxton Jones is going to be the Bears' left tackle. Unless something crazy happens, Braxton Jones is the Bears' left tackle. And... I think if that's the case, Poles is going to look at this and be like, listen, I can trade back, get more picks, and select possibly the best right tackle in the draft in Dewan Jones. And Dewan Jones is a mountain of a human being. I think he's 6'8", over 300, like just a huge human being. And I think that's where Ryan Poles is going to see value. I think he's going to, you're going to see him trade back if Jalen Carter's not there, if Jalen Carter's there, I say you take him. But if not, I can see him trading back pretty far into the first round. So don't be upset if that happens. I just think Poles is going to look for that value. So, yeah. And Duke's about to lose. They are. I'm, I'm watching it right now, down 11 with, with two and a half left to go. All right, y'all. That about does it for us on the Gold to Go podcast this week. I know we had a lot to cover. Um, hopefully, we didn't didn't keep it too long today. Um, Jordan, thanks for all of your NFL insight. I know I learned a ton today that I did not know about. Um, my college basketball is, is your NFL. Um, yes. so anyways, thank y'all for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on Apple podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere you leave a review, podcast, leave a good review. We're waiting um, for our first review. We are, we are patiently waiting. Hey, Jalen's not on this one. So we know you guys can leave a good one. You know, he's not on here screaming for trade Justin Fields. That's the best thing, honestly, that came out of that first round draft pick trade. Everybody could stop talking about trading Justin Fields. It's true. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It Anyways, I, I interrupted your nope. your exit there. You're so. all good. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on the Gold to Go podcast. <laughs>